BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Today's guest has been somebody I've known for years. We run in sort of the same circles when it comes to our jobs and we've met each other at different events and stuff as well. She is known for her most aesthetically pleasing of Instagram accounts named Random Acts of Pastel. But in the last few years, her account went from just being really beautiful pictures and outfits into something much more. A few years ago, we watched Alyssa enter into motherhood, but she did it on her own terms. She entered into it by choice as a single mother. And today we are here to hear that story, learn about those choices and where she's at today. Please welcome Alyssa Garrison. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. You and I know each other from Toronto scene, basically, even though I don't live there. I didn't live there. You recently moved. Uh, You made the trip out West. You're in Vancouver now. I am. Yeah. COVID emergency move. And uh, it turned out being a really good choice. Is your family out in Vancouver? Is that? My whole family is in Vancouver. Yeah. So when you first had Summer, your daughter, who is now two and a half, did you just say? Yeah, she is two and a half years old. So you did that when, like, because when we're talking about the choice of single motherhood, you did that away from family? Yes, I did. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. Okay. So let's, Let's go back a few steps because first of all, you made a name for yourself over your love for pastels and your just, I, I said in the, in the pre-roll, like your aesthetically pleasing Instagram account when you were kind of like one of the first to have like these Instagram feeds that were, and that's what it used to be all about. We used to always just follow people because we loved what the grid looked like and we could really expect that. And it was a lot of just like your pastels, your outfits, how you pulled things together. You found all the most pastel locations to shoot in. It's always been a huge part of your brand. So when all of a sudden your actual life stuff started to come into your content, 
it felt like a huge shift. It also felt like we got to hear more about who you were. I, I felt so leaned into that. And you started talking about relationships and and all of this stuff. And I got to tell you a secret. I was at an event and you were talking to somebody in front of me. We were at a running event. Like, why the heck did I ever go to that? I'm not a runner. <laughs> but I was like, I can't say no to Nike. So I'll go and like pretend like I run. And I was dying the entire time. You were like two steps ahead of me. And I heard you say, telling somebody something and everyone was like, oh my gosh, congrats. And I, not in my wildest dreams, did I would have thought that you were sharing that you were pregnant. I just, it didn't compute for me because you were single. You were not in a relationship. So how that just didn't even come into the realm of what was going on. So when you started sharing on Instagram, this story, I was just blown away. And so it's been years of me dying to ask you questions about it. And so I'm really excited that you're kind of opening that whole chapter and bringing us through this story today. So bring me back. Let's go back more than two and a half years. Let's go back three and a half years. How did this begin? And, you know, this navigation through the decision for something this monumental in life. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I have to preface this by saying I'm just like an unbelievably driven person. So if I come up with an idea, like I will stop at nothing to make it happen. (laughs) And like nothing can get in my way pretty much. Um, I'm a control freak. It's just, I guess, how I am is wired into me. So I really, really wanted to be a mom for, I don't know, kind of as long as I can remember. But especially, I guess, when I hit my 20s, it became like a big priority. Like, this is what I want to do. My mom was like 23 when she had me. I always really loved having like super young parents. It just felt like, I don't know, it was nice to like identify with them. They were always so like open and honest with me and it felt more like friends and parents. And like I think I projected like that's what I wanted to do as well. But it put this like incredible pressure on all my relationships because as much as I like love the person wanted to date, I was kind of like, my priority here is like, I want to have a baby. And Mm. so anytime I fell in love with someone that was like, yes, I love you. And you come first. But like, also there's this other thing that kind of comes first, first, like that if if you're not into doing this, like in a relatively quick timeline, like I, it just like, I sabotaged all my relationships basically because I was so focused on this goal. Yeah. I, I was in lots of different kinds of relationships. I'm like, I guess I identify as pansexual. Okay. I date everybody. So yeah, I dated women, I dated trans men, I, and then I've gone back to dating cis men and I, yeah, kind of all over the place with that. But no matter who I was in a relationship with, it was a huge pressure on my dating life. And yeah, it made me kind of like an intolerable person to date. Um, I mean, but I also like, there's part of me that really respects that because you knew what you wanted and you made it clear for yourself. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because I think the the wrongness would have been being in a relationship that didn't want that and then forging through. Do you know what I mean? Like there is something about knowing what your expectations are. And even if it, even if you sabotaged, which maybe not best practice, but even if that was like what you had to do to protect what you wanted, like I get that entirely because I'm the kind of person that's like, you just tell me no. And I was like, okay. And then I would bend into the relationship, which would be, you know, not so great. So I actually really respect that about you. When did you take things into your own hands? So I had this idea in my head, like if I'm not with someone seriously, by the time I'm 27, I want to do it. I'm going to 
you know, figure out a way to do it. And it, it kind of like the light bulb popped in my head when I was sitting with my best friend at the time. We had a bunch of wine. I was dating this really like, I'm not a bad guy, but just like not really a nice guy and definitely not a guy that wanted any of the things I wanted. You know, he was like, let's just party and hang out in our separate apartments forever. So I felt super stuck and I was really depressed. And I said to her, like, I don't know, it's almost like I care more about having a family than having a relationship. And I was like, oh, wait, do I have to have a relationship to have a family? Like, you know, at that point, my career was going really well. And I was like very kind of self-sustaining and I realized like, you know, do I need a guy? Do I need a second person to do this really? Like, and so, yeah, I made this commitment. Like if I'm not in this relationship, a relationship that feels like it's going in that direction by the time I'm 27, I'm going to like look into it. And I turned 27 and I was dating a different guy who had no plans to be serious with me. And, uh, yeah, so I ended things with him, went off birth control because that seemed like the logical first step, went and talked to my doctor, did like a ton of research online. And I, the really surprising thing about it all was when I went to talk to my doctor, I was really worried about like the judgment and, you know, like what she would say. And her reaction was like, I know a lot of women who are doing this, like even her patient, she was like, I think I have at least three patients who are doing this right now in different ways. And I was like, oh, okay. This is like something that is becoming more of a viable option, I think for women. So I decided to go a like more personal route to it. Yeah. So you, you skipped past the fertility clinics. Yes. So yeah, the doctor was like, I can refer you to a fertility clinic if you want. And I was like, it's just not my vibe. Like I'm very things my own way. I hate doctors. I hate being in any sort of clinical setting. It just like makes me feel like panicked and I want to run away. And I was like, that's not where I want to have like get pregnant. I want to be like everybody else. And everyone has a completely different experience, but I wanted to just be at home, be comfortable and do it, you know, in a way that felt right for me, if I could, I, you know, I wasn't against going into a clinic if I needed help. But to me, it was like, you just got to get like the sperm in there. Get, what else is there to it really? Like other than medical. There's the barrier of like finding the person and do you have to have sex with the person? Yeah. The baby? Because I just feel yeah. like that complicates things. But how did yeah. it go down? Okay. So for me, yeah, I kind of researched into it and there's all these different options. There's like this website called coparents.com that's like it's almost like, like a dating site, but it's people that are like, I'm like willing to give my sperm out to anyone who has like it's super, super weird. Very interesting. It was really like eye-opening to spend some time on there and kind of see, you know, guys will have in their profile, like proud, like sperm donor to 17 children across the GTA. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And the website offers tips, like how you should meet someone and how a transfer could go. And like, if you're- A transfer. Yeah. (laughs) This is where I'm like, is it the sex? Is it the sex? How does it transfer? (laughs) So there is, I can't remember the word for it right now, but there is some sort of term for like, I only want to conceive like with intercourse, which is like the guys kind of meet up with me and have sex and then you can have a baby kind of thing, which like 
it's like by far the easiest way to do it. You know? Obviously. And for a lot of people, they might want still that experience, even if you were single to still have that, like, because conception now is like so broad. It's not just like sex and getting pregnant anymore. Oh, it is really? so hugely um, broad, but I can imagine for a lot of people, they still want that. Like, oh, I just want that to be ha-. like, everyone wants to define yeah. their own stories. Right. So I can imagine that some people would still get really stuck on having sex in, in order to conceive. Yeah. Which is like, I will say I've seen it firsthand, definitely an option. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess like, I think that also in my case, I was very like, I didn't want to take it so seriously. Like I'd have people be like, well, what about like genetic screening? And I'm like, well, if I fell in love with a partner, I wouldn't have them like screened and like check their background. And that's so true. Like if, you know, people have babies with people all the time that they don't know even that much about, like, yes, the fertility clinic offers all that, but it also comes at like a massive unattainable cost that like for someone who's going into being a single parent, like spending all that money on that. And then all the expenses of having a child, like it just makes it way less accessible to so many people. So yeah, end of the story. <laughs> I ended up picking, like, I want to do a known donor at my house. You know, someone comes over, drops off sperm whenever it's the time is right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds a bit handmade still to say. It does not a little. <laughs> It's a little Uber Eats on sperm, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. And yeah, it being someone I know versus someone from like a website means that I'm not like afraid to give out my address. Yes, absolutely. You don't have to go meet in like a Starbucks bathroom to do it, you know, which is apparently what some people do. Like they'll literally remain anonymous. So how did you find the friend though? Like how did you find the volunteer? So I had kind of like a short list in my head okay, of like different guys, like guys I've slept with, guys that were friends, like, you know, gay guys, straight guys, just people in my life that I thought like, maybe he'd be up for it. And like, I think this would be a good person to do it with. And then one of my like really good friends, basically, I ended up taking a long time to start ovulating again after I stopped the pill mm-hmm. and I was doing the tests and I was really, really panicked about it. And then I finally got a positive test and I texted my friend and I was like, Hey, you want to help me get pregnant this weekend? Like kind of joking. Like, yeah, I didn't he'd be up for it. And he was just kind of like, honestly, like maybe we should meet up and talk about this. Like, I know this is a dream for you. And I'm like, you know, I think I might be open to like helping you. Wow. Yeah. So that was like total game changer. It went from like an idea and something I had to put all this kind of like time and thought and work into, into suddenly having this opportunity, like perhaps this could happen right now. I have been gushing over Glow Recipe lately. I've been using this one particular product in my routine now, and it's really easy to slip in and create this really incredible impact on your skin. But let me tell you a little bit more about Glow Recipe. Glow Recipe is a clean, fruit-forward, Korean beauty-inspired skincare brand. Their vegan and cruelty-free formulas pair antioxidant-rich fruit extracts with clinically proven actives for glowing skin. And that is no lie right there. Not only that, but they have the most beautiful eco-conscious packaging and it makes for an ideal skincare shelfie. If you don't know what a shelfie is, 
It's a shelf full of your skincare and you can take pictures of it and it's a shelfie. It's amazing. But now there's this one product from Glow Recipe that has been all over TikTok. And you know, if it's hit TikTok, that it is something worth trying. Their products have gone viral for a reason. Their Plum Plump Hyaluronic Serum is your hydrating, plumping, holy grail serum. It has juicy, antioxidant-rich, plum, and five molecular weights of hyaluronic acid that fill each skin layer with hydration for visibly plumper skin. Combined with vegan collagen, this silky water gel texture, which is my personal favorite, will leave your skin looking healthy and bouncy. That is the most perfect word to describe how your skin will feel. It's really easy to use. I've noticed a difference after only like a couple uses as well. Use one to two pumps of the serum after cleansing, but before your moisturizer, and that's going to get you the bounciest hydrated skin of your dreams. And like I said, they're going to arrive in eco-conscious packaging. Glow Recipe creates products that are good for your skin and gentle on the planet. Their glass jars are 100% recyclable and made of 20% post-consumer recycled materials. They also partner with TerraCycle on a recycling program, so every piece of their packaging can be recycled and reimagined. They're also partnering with Climate Neutral to become Carbon Neutral in 2022. And y'all, I have a coupon code. You got to get on this. If not for the cute eco-conscious packaging, then for that bouncy skin I told you about. And you can get 15% off Glow Recipe with code GLOWPAPAYA at GLOWRECIPE.COM. Now that's for 15% off at Glow Recipe. That excludes kits and it lasts until the end of August. So get on this right now. 15% off Glow Recipe with code GLOWPAPAYA at GLOWRECIPE.COM. One more time, that's GLOWRECIPE.COM. Use code PAPAYA for 15% off. Enjoy and go after that bouncy skin. You will not regret it. Hey guys, it's Gabby from What's Gabby Cooking. And seeing as how we've all got a little extra time on our hands at home, um, hello, social distancing, let's get down to business in the kitchen. Come hang every Monday while we talk about all things food and I answer your burning questions about cooking, ingredients, swaps, tips and tricks, etc. I'm also gonna be highlighting super rad small businesses and we're gonna be learning about other incredible makers in the food world and who even knows what else. Anything's fair game in 2020, right? What's Gabby cooking in the wild? Here we come. And did panic set in when you realized like, oh, this planning and everything now, now it's real. And I have to like, like this is now a moment because I feel like no matter what, even like, I remember when we were conceiving Lemmy, we kind of were like, had that conversation and pulled the goalie. And then that, that little bit of like, oh my gosh, like, are we ready? Like, can we do this? And a lot of that self-doubt just came in and we were like, you know what? I don't think we're ready because this is too much. It's too much of a decision. Right. So did that set in when you realized like, this is a, this weekend type of thing? bit but honestly I'm so blindly like determined (laughs) that you know I'll panic later but in the moment like I'm the person that like will always like do like jump like do the cliff jump without really like surveying the you know this guy ahead of me did it it'll be fine and like I'm very kind of like in the moment when faced with like something scary my gut reaction is like I'm gonna power through and do it okay and then later I'm like whoa 
That was a big decision that I made there. <laughs> but yeah, so in this case, we ended up trying for three months. And then the third month, it worked. Um, and I think basically there's all different ways to do it. You can just like have sex. You can do, I tried like the diva cup thing. So it's like sperm. Yeah, exp- okay. So I don't know where I heard it, but I heard you yeah. got pregnant by a diva cup. <laughs> this is the like, thing. Yeah, what? this is the thing. It's like literally, because I don't know. So the joke, I, like, you know, in lesbian world, when I was young and identified as a lesbian was like the turkey baster thing. And, you know, you just like suck it up and squirt it in there with the turkey baster. That's like the age-old joke. Yeah. And then now there's like syringes. Actually, they've come out with this syringe that like now I know about. I'm like, why didn't I know about this before? But it's like a kit to inseminate at home, essentially. It's like a little round, like a tampon, but you fill it with sperm and shoot it up there. But the word on the internet when I was trying to get pregnant was like, menstrual cups the best because it'll really like just hold everything up there. Yeah. It kind of suctions to your cervix area. So it's kind of like whole, it's holding it all up, which is uh, to be honest, I was like, if you were trying to get pregnant, even if you were doing it with sex, putting a diva cup in afterwards, I would like women used to put their legs on the wall. I think they still do put their legs in a wall. Like we need to pull towards the cervix. This is the goal. We need to like get in there. So you got pregnant via a, let's just digest those words. You got pregnant with sperm and a diva cup. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. How but is this whole baby not sponsored by diva cup? <laughs> no, I was like, oh, it's the best story. They're probably like, we can't put those claims out. We can't. It's just for catching, not for inserting. Yeah, exactly. But let's go back to the guy a little bit. In those conversations, did you have to get like legal documents that go? Did he want to have an yeah, open yeah, relationship? Yeah. Did you have it very closed? Um, how did that part go? Yeah, because he was a good friend. And this also, I'm very like, I'm pro doing it with someone in your life. If you can find the right person that you trust. Like in his case, he was like, I don't ever want kids of my own. Mm. I'd be happy to be kind of like a fun uncle figure, but I like do not want responsibility under any circumstance. So we did sign a contract and the contract kind of protects both of us. Like as much as he can't, you know, take my child away from me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't go after him for child support. Right. Like it works both ways. So basically it's not just to protect me. It was just as much to protect him from like being roped into this responsibility that he very much did not want. So yeah, we did the contract and I mean, it was definitely complicated. It was like emotions were running high. Mm -hmm, We were both mm -hmm. really nervous and it didn't, it felt just kind of like a fun, like a funny thing, really. Yeah. Because we were friends and gravity, I don't think the gravity of like getting pregnant and actually facing that can hit you until like you get that test, that positive test. And you're like, oh. (laughs) So how did that feel? Like you took the test and now you're seeing this positive, this thing that you've chased for your whole 20s. How how did, how did that go? Uh, Well, it went not like, I had like envisioned it in my head because I tested like quite early way before my period was due. And I was like, it was, I just had this crazy big appetite. I was just eating. My sister was visiting and I was like, I better be pregnant because I'm eating like everyone's leftovers. I'm like scraping the plate at the table. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is a bit abnormal. Like I'm a hungry 
woman, but <laughs> not that hungry. So I did the test kind of just for fun, like assuming even if it was positive, I'd probably have to wait another couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Positive, and I was like alone in my house, just like screaming, like, oh my God, I'm sure my downstairs neighbor was yeah. And I called my parents right away and I was like, Dad, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. And my dad was like, I'm getting the phone to your mom. <laughs> oh. Now, did they, were they aware that you were doing this? They knew I was doing it. My mom, like, yeah, they were kind of for a long time, like, this is one of your like ideal scenario things, Alyssa, where you're like living in your fantasy world and you're mm. not grasping the reality of the mm. situation, which is very much like, I live in this like fairy tale pastel world. And that's why my brand's been successful because I see it so clearly and like then other people see it. But yeah, they were very like, you think this is something that it isn't. And like, we really aren't sure about this. And my mom's biggest thing was like, if you're going to do it, you have to move back to Vancouver. Like you can't do it without family. Right. And I was like, I have the most amazing community of girls, like of friends and like, especially like strong creative women that are so ready to be here for me. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I don't need blood family. I have a village out here that like will be there. And I like, I still believe that very strongly. Like my friends were and are my life, but yeah, they came and visited me shortly before I started trying and I'd just gotten my house like uh, I bought, sorry, rented an apartment, but it felt really big. It was a home. I did a ton of work on it. They came and visited. And I guess my dad said when they were driving back to the airport, like, you know, I think maybe Alyssa can do this. Like, I've never seen her like this. You know, she just feels like seems different. And I think maybe she is ready. And my dad's like, doesn't say emotional things often. So that like meant a lot that he said that. And that's yeah. So that was kind of like my blessing, I guess. It was like, well, they like, they even think that maybe I'm not just like being irrational (laughs) and like, maybe I can do this. So yeah, I got the positive. I freaked out. I got very, very excited. I did not. I mean, I waited to tell everybody on Instagram, but as as you know, from that run, I know I I heard it in person right away. Yeah, I think I heard you say something about six weeks and I was like, what? Like, it still didn't add up for me. I just like couldn't place that. So yeah, I definitely eavesdropped you announcing a very long time ago before we really even knew each other. I always find it so ironic when I talk about sleep because I am a mother of four and one of them is six months old. Sleep is one of the three pillars of health though. And since 2007, Goodnight Sleep Site has helped families get back on the right sleep track, which can mean a lifetime of restful sleep for everyone. This past year, our sleep has definitely taken a hit. And whether you have also felt that or with your struggling with your poor sleep long-term or the pandemic has created some not so great sleep habits, when you aren't sleeping, you feel it. Chronic sleep loss has been proven to have an increased risk of future health issues, not to mention how it affects your day-to-day and quality of life. I've talked about this many times before about how we so glamorize the hustle culture. We just think it's so inspiring and so amazing 
amazing. But the reality is rest isn't glamorized in the same way. We're only seeing the action and we're not putting it on the pedestal that it needs to be. Well, Good Night Sleep Site has a new online adult sleep program that includes the guidance and education you need to establish better sleep habits and healthier relationship between you and sleep. You will walk away with a focus on simple steps and practices to change your lifestyle, to sleep better, ways to improve your cognitive relationship with sleep through CBTI, and incorporating activities to lower your stress levels and quiet your mind. This affordable do-it-at-your-own-pace online sleep program is created for anyone and everyone looking to get a good night's sleep and sleep well for a lifetime. You can right now request to set up a complimentary 15-minute discovery call where you connect with a good night's sleep site consultant, and they can hear more about your sleep issues. You can explain if you have a toddler, a baby, a teen, or if you want to look into their adult sleep programs. It can be a perfect solution for your specific sleep situation. Also, you can connect with Alana and her team at Goodnight Sleep Site on Instagram at GN Sleep Site, that's S-I-T-E on the gram. If you feel like you've tried everything and you're too tired to figure it out on your own or simply want some professional guidance and support, head over to goodnightsleepsite.com. You're going to book that complimentary 15-minute discovery call with a Good Night Sleep Site consultant and start your journey towards sleep success. I'm going to spell that out. It's goodnight, N-I-G-H-T, sleepsite.com. I cannot express to you enough how much little tiny changes in your world can impact your sleep. And if this is that step and this is that message that you need to hear today, I hope that you're hearing it and I hope that you go and reach for that sleep goal like you would any other goal in your life. Please take your sleep as a serious priority because we all need it. Let's get back to today's show. So you're pregnant now and let's be real. Pregnancy is difficult. And I feel like as we have this conversation, what's so difficult about it is single motherhood is often looked upon as tragedy. It's looked upon so negatively. I had it as I had circumstantial single motherhood. And it's, this is what's hard about even the word single mother, because it's so complex. There's those who are co-parenting single mother. There's ones who have maybe just financial support coming in from their ex-partner. There are those who like yourself choose it and don't have somebody in the picture. There's those who didn't choose it and don't have somebody in the picture. It is like one word that defines so much. So for me, single motherhood was like doing it on my own for the first time, but co-parenting in the sense that I also dropped off the kids to somebody, you know, for a few days a week. And so there was like this, this shared parenting experience, but the label was still single mom. And even there people were like, it, like there was a, there was so much negativity around it that I honestly didn't know if I could do it. That's with doing it like with sharing custody. Yeah. There was a lot of fear around it. A lot of like, how do you financially sustain? How do you figure? Cause when you have your kids, you are everything. So you, even if like people would say to me like, Oh, it must be so nice to have days off from them. And I'm like, but your mom mind never goes down from that. And then when you have them, it's like a hundred percent, you have them. You don't like, there isn't that extra. And I, I was started by living with my parents, moved out onto my own. And that gravity is so large to also have negativity thrown towards it. So 
by the end of what I call my single motherhood experience, which was fairly short because it was only a couple of years, I felt like that was the strongest season of my entire life. I I felt like, why are we so, like, it is such a challenging time, but it is so amazing what women can do. It's so amazing what parents can do with the goal of, you know, creating a life for themselves and for their children. It doesn't have to be defined always by a negative experience. It can be really beautiful ones, no matter what end of that spectrum you're on. But it does make me curious when you come into a situation by choice and you've had all this negativity that kind of swirls around it, how you navigate, you know, when it's difficult too, because pregnancy is hard, birth is hard, babies are hard. So let's chat a little bit about, you know, the birth experience itself and like those early days of motherhood. Was there any feelings of can I do this on my own? Because it, it, you have to remember in this society, we're not really given a lot of messages that you can. There's like, yes, there's support systems out there, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it feels like, yeah, but only because this is happening to you and we will help you through it. Not a, you, you chose this, you chose this, right? How has that kind of entrance into single motherhood been for you um, from birth? First, I'll say that a, a big thing that influenced my decision was seeing people or having people that were partnered with kids telling me like a lot of a lot of friends saying kind of like I feel like I'm on my own anyway and I think that's like a big factor in it too that like kind of changed my perspective I had one friend say like I wish I hadn't tried to do it with this guy like he wasn't ready and yeah fake and like my life's kind of blown up and I've, I've heard a lot of kind of like anecdotes to that effect of I honestly probably would have been better off on my own because at least Mm. not fighting with someone all the time Mm. so for me I think it felt like a positive choice because in my head I was like I'm potentially avoiding like the mess of having a child and then like having to dismantle my life versus like doing it with my life as is that was my one thing but the birth experience Honestly, like my pregnancy was totally fine. The hardest part being alone for me was like not having someone have sex with regularly. Oh my gosh, because you're so horny when you're pregnant. Yeah, I was like, I had dreams about like Bernie Sanders. Like I wanted everybody, like everybody. Yeah, I would wake up from sex dreams and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I, I did. I did call upon like a guy from the past at one point because I was like, look, I'm pregnant. I really yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh, sure. <laughs> like, so fun. Oh, my God. Um, so that was a weird hookup for sure. But at the very end of my pregnancy, overall, like it does feel like you're pregnant in like a world made for two. Everything, like every form, every person you talk to like I will say that I had a pretty good experience with people not making assumptions but I still quite often kind of feel like it's just me it's just me there's no other person no one involved no one on this form and like I did birthing like hypnobirthing classes and every week everyone had their partner and every week I had like a different person from my like birth support plan <laughs> so like yeah yeah one week my doula came and one week my best friend came and like it, I always had like a different woman with me which in itself, like, I felt really good about it. I was like, this is so cool. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of people who don't have supportive partners. There's a lot of people that don't have supportive families. And I I love this idea that your village can really exist anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. One of the women in my birth class actually had like 
I'll make the assumption and say he seemed a bit absent. He wasn't there much. When he was, he was on his phone. She actually connected with me on Instagram after we both had our babies and said, like, I'm thinking about leaving him. I wish I'd done it your way. Wow. Oh, like you were in my birth class and I was looking at her thinking like, oh, maybe it'd be nice to have a partner. And she was looking at me being like, maybe it'd be nice to not have this guy around. Like Everything is so nuanced now. Everything, every, everything has so many different angles to it. And even when you, you know, you're talking about filling out the forms, I can imagine when telling people it's just you, did you, did you get pity looks like, oh, sad, like, or were you pretty like, empowered through that I think because I was so clearly I was like yeah it's just I'm doing it on my own I was so excited about it and like proud people like read that right away mm, and yeah. just didn't even go there with you know I think the big people just want to know like how did you get pregnant and I was like even if I just like had sex and it was fun and like I got pregnant and I decided to do this like that it, no way of getting pregnant should impact like Exactly. Want it. So that, that was the only thing that kind of irked me. So I was very like ready to give birth. I was like, I'm going to rock this. I've got my team of like awesome women. I'm going to have a home birth. It's going to be fucking great. Um, I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> you can <But> swear. <laughs> I was like not even a little bit scared. Like I was just excited. I don't know why that is. It just feels like something I've been like waiting my whole life to do, I guess. And I was like, I know I can do this and I want to do it. Then I had this, like, I don't know, everything was like going up and feeling good. And then there was this kind of explosion of negative things. So my dog died. I remember that. And like, yeah, this was like my, like we were connected. Me and this dog, she really meant everything to me. This was honey, and right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you even meet her? Yeah. She was I don't think I met her now. She was just like an otherworldly creature. She was the So I lost her to cancer. And then at the same time, like found out that my baby was breached. I didn't know what I was having yet, so I won't use her name. But my mom had me breach vaginally induced, you know, and she came out with, she had a pretty bad episiotomy yeah, situation, but there. like she yeah. came out okay. So I was very like, well, this isn't the end of the line for me. I can still do it how I want to do it. And then the reality was kind of like breach birth is like really not accepted mm -hmm. in our culture, especially like apparently in Germany, it's like super like not, it's not necessarily like a bad thing. Yeah. But here, like midwives and doctors just don't get trained like for it. They have to do yeah. special. It's training. like an emergency situation. It's yeah. not, it's not, yeah. I, I've never heard of anybody doing a vaginal breach delivery unless it was like they found out during delivery that it happened. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. now they kind of, especially because of hospital policy, it's an insurance thing, I guess. Anyways, so my birth plan like immediately went out the window. I was trying to struggle to like figure out how I could do it the way I wanted to do it. I got referred to an OB that like was kind of supposed to be someone who he'd done it in the past. And he, I thought maybe I could convince him. And he was just like, no, don't do it anymore. Nobody does it. So that was the hardest part of being alone, I think, because I felt like I was being selfish, like going after the kind of birth I wanted and like putting my baby at risk. And I didn't like have a second person to bounce that off of and be like, what? 
would do. And the midwives have said, like, we'll help you like shop around and find an OB that will support your decision. But you have to fit all this criteria and they have to be on call when you go into labor. And there were so many working parts. And I was an emotional wreck from losing my dog. So at that point, I was like, if only I had a partner that could like do this research, make these Mm, calls. Yeah. But even if I had had a partner, it's not, you know, it's possible that I wouldn't have had a supportive partner that like would have yeah. even entertained like what I wanted. So it's one of those things that grass is greener on the other side. Who knows if it would have been any different. But yeah, I ended up going in for an ECV, which is like they try to like turn the baby. From- oh, I almost had to have one of those with my daughter. She flipped the night before my oh, procedure. Oh, so lucky. <laughs> I was, I, but you know what? Like I, C-section delivery is just as valid, and but we understand that they are a bigger recovery. There's a lot more limitations. So even when people are listening or like, but you know, birth is birth. And it's like, yes, that is very true. But also when you're talking about birth plans and the emotional attachment to them and you know, how much work it takes to mentally prepare yourself for something. When you've taken so many classes and you've put your mind and your efforts towards one birth plan, it is a lot to manage when that changes. I, I had mine change a little bit and I had to create four birth plans because I'm like, I'm not going through that grief again. Cause that's what it felt like. It felt like grief when it was taken from yeah. me. Birth is birth, but it is really like C-sections are obviously, you know, usually a last resort. They're very rarely opted for nowadays. Even if they are, a lot of times there is, you know, a reason why, or that's the thing that people really want. Like that's where they're emotionally attached to it. They only want to deliver that way, which is also valid. But I can imagine that's difficult because you're really, you know, so now you're going in for the, basically a turning of a baby, which I've heard is incredibly painful. And I'm guessing didn't work. Yeah. So I did it twice with the midwives with no pain killers. Oh and my that, gosh. That was like, and they were so determined. They were like, we can do this. Like they knew how much I wanted it. And it was just like agonizing. And so then I went in to do it in the hospital with this OB with an epidural. And he was like, if it doesn't work, we'll just do a C-section. Like right then and there. Like right then and there. No labor, no build Oh my gosh. Just like today you'll leave, you'll have a baby. And I was like, in, I was just shell-shocked. So I knew this procedure was happening. I knew it might end up that way. My whole family flew in. Everybody was there like, what's going to happen? Is it today? And yeah, basically went into the OR. They tried to do it. And he was like, this baby's not moving. Do you want to have a baby right now, basically? And I was like, oh, I guess so. I don't want to like get an epidural again, like. Yeah, you know, I'm already on the OR table, like ready to go. I guess if this is how everyone's saying it's going to end, this is how I'm going to do it. So yeah, I did a C-section with my mom there. I think the weirdest part for me, like, was and still is not going into labor. Like, if I have another baby, I'm hell bent that, like, even if they're breached again, like, have to let me labor for a bit. Like, even if it complicates things a bit for the doctors or whatever, like. I do feel like I still am waiting to go into labor because I was so prepared for it. And I still, you know, people say to me all the time, like, oh, you've been through labor. You can get through anything. And I'm like, no, I've been through like an unexpected major surgery, like yeah. a Friday that I like really didn't want. And it, it wasn't so bad. Like, you know, the doctors were really, really accommodating. Um, they like 
you know, we played my music and my mom was there. My midwife was there. They let me like have her right away, but it did feel very like, I don't know. It wasn't at all what I expected. It was hard to be like naked strapped down. Like, Oh, I can't see this happening now. Like, and uh, uh, without labor, I think the panic is like, you don't have that like pain aspect that makes your brain. The pain makes you do wild things. The pain is like, just get it out. (laughs) My sister had five um, vaginal deliveries of her boys and on her six, we went to the hospital and she goes, baby is sideways. I can, I'm telling you right now, the baby went sideways. And I was like, what? And she was like, I checked my own cervix. I know the baby went sideways. Whoa, and I was like, what? That's so, cool. so she walks in and they tried to, they tried to, um, do what your procedure and her water breaks. And it is like bright red. It was a placental abruption immediately. And she was like, I don't care. Get me in. Like, just go, let's go, let's go. She was like, I'm done. Like she was so in pain. Cause like having, a, I think it's called transverse when they're sideways, having the pain as like the motive, she was like, just ended. Like there was a, there was an energy to that decision opposed to, do you want to have your, like, would you know? Yeah. Like, of course. It's no. like, I feel totally normal. And I have no, you know, it was a very surreal experience and it still feels like, did that happen? Like, but then I had her and of course, kind of like all of that went into the cloud of newborn bliss and yeah like honestly there weren't many times where I felt like I was missing something or I didn't like my like experience was any lesser or even that much harder I think the c-section threw me because it meant that I couldn't be independent for so long. Yeah, I was going to say, because like with a c-section you can't lift a certain amount you your your recovery is a little bit more complex and I lived in a house with a lot of stairs. So I was like, how am I going to do this? But again, like my community came through so hard. Like my mom stayed for, I think, three of the six weeks. And then my best friend came and then my sister came. And then I had one week left and I ended up coming to Vancouver with Summer and my sister just to like get a bit more support time. And then I finally went to being on my own. But there weren't many days that I was like actually on my own all day and all night. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of, from the get go, my mom was like, you've got to get used to like being out alone with her and not being scared of it. We're going to like, you know, we're going to practice like driving the car. We're going to go all these different places. We're going to, you know, like get used to breastfeeding public. And yep. I'm very grateful to her for that kind of like boot camp of like, you know, you so smart person. So you've got to, how do you grocery shop with a newborn? Like, what does that look like? And, but yeah, I, I had it really, really, really good. I felt more supported than I'm sure like a lot of couple people do because they don't have this like system in place of people that are like, we want to help because, you know, I think you assume when someone has a partner, like, oh, their partner's feeding them, their partner's like, cleaning they're them. taking care of it. Yeah. And that's, we don't always know. And that's very much like, I would say it's uncommon, but yeah, I don't, I kept waiting for that, like kind of panic or like shock or just like, wait, what did I do? And I think a lot of people were waiting for that for me. Like, you know, I had a a few people when I was pregnant kind of say like, you'll see when you have the baby, like it's so much harder than you think. And I hate that kind of like parent fear mongering. Yeah. There's a lot of it. And there's a lot of it. 
Like, don't ever say things like that to anyone in any situation. It's almost like I always say to my kids, when you're outside and it's really cold and you're in a group of people, when one person says, oh my gosh, it's so cold out here, then everybody suddenly feels that cold a little bit more. It's the same with parenting. Like if you're just like, how are you going to do it with like the baby up all night? How are you going to do any, like your whole life is going to be, you know, thrown through a loop. How are you going to have a job? Like we ask the questions, but we ask it in such a fear way or like you have no idea what's coming for you. I don't know how you're going to do it. These are, I've had four kids and it's happened on every single one of like, how are you going to like, wow, that that's a lot of, my sister, she'll go out with like, half of her children and people will be like, whoa, you've got your hands full. And she's like, the other half are at home. Like, what? (laughs) we're not really like, there is a lot of that fear. And I think a lot of it comes from that fear mongering. I think you say what is just from experience of like, yes, there are really, really hard times, but they, even with that is really nuanced because you're not adding into all the really good times. And if we only add into that, like, I just feel so much like if you were fed to positively. And if you were empowered to feel like you can do something, you're more likely to succeed at it. Like when kids are in school or when we're growing up through life, it is never a better idea to be like, this is going to be really hard. And it's, you're going to struggle like crazy. Or like, you can do this is the, is the better method that needs to just carry on into adulthood. Like that just needs to happen. You know, listening to today's episode, I can't help but think how our guest today could have genuinely used this. And that's Dipsy. I know that I used Dipsy a lot when I was pregnant because my I was having a really hard time falling asleep and I also had hormones surging and thoughts running wild. And everybody needs an escape. But those can be kind of hard to come by. So enter Dipsy. You can get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. It is so hot. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed, that's right, to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that really feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. You can listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush, you never made a move on, or that coworker you've always had a little thing on, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who is telling you exactly what they'd like you to do. Like I said, it's hot. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you just need a wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime story, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. The stories are so incredible though. Like I can't say enough. Like it's a moment. You're going to have a moment with this. And for listeners of our show, we're going to give you that moment. You can go and get yourself a extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. So that's 30 days and 30 nights of free full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. I'm going to spell it for you just in case it's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash papaya. Go get yourself that hot little moment and let's get back to today's show. So I'm glad to hear that you were like supported. I know judgment came and everything, but I mean, summer is the differentiating factor, right? And and I think that that's the, 
What's so interesting is we build up with so much fear and so much what ifs and how am I going to do it and all that stuff. And we remove the factor of, but there's this human here and it kind of changes everything. So how was your bonding experience with summer and, you know, maybe a little bit of your mental health if you struggled at all, or if it was not at all and how that bonding experience went because everyone's so different. And I imagine as a single mother, And with so much buildup and anticipation to motherhood, was it kind of what you expected? Did you feel like even in your bubbled type of world, did you have to come down from it at all? Or did it kind of seamlessly go through? I would say like the first six months, it was seamless. It was like, she's here. This is what I've like been waiting for. And it felt, the. I think the thing that blows my mind constantly is like, because of the way I did it, if I picked anyone else, I would have had a completely different baby. Like my child would be a completely different kid. And that's like, I think about it all the time because of that, you know, there were like a lot of people kind of in my head. And like, I, I had a gay friend that was like quite confident it was going to be him. And then at the last minute I switched to this other friend and this like, I could have not had summer, but summer really like, you know, nursing was easy, which was a huge thing for me. Like I felt like, I didn't get the birth I wanted, but at least I got that. And that was like really, really important. And yeah, we just had this kind of instant, like us against the world. She's super, super chill or she was (laughs) like happy. You know, I was taking her out to press events, like strapped onto me from like as soon as I could get out of the house kind of thing. And um, so it's always felt like we're like been a little team. And yeah, just like, this is what I've been waiting to do. So even the hard stuff, I was like, I think I kind of tried to prepare myself and spend a lot of time with my friends who had newborns and just be like, I want the reality, like show me the real stuff. Like my one friend, I stayed over at her house a couple nights after she had her, her baby and she, she was like up all night crying because breastfeeding hurt so much and I could Aww. hear her. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, but you know, breastfeeding, no matter how good your latches, I think for a while it just hurt. It hurts. And that's yeah. Like, I don't, when people say it's not supposed to hurt, I'm like, I don't know that's true. Like, I've never not, I like, I was pretty good this time at like bombing my boobs, but like on my first baby, even though she had like a perfect latch, I was, it was like cracked. It's like putting anything. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it gets better, but like it does it, you know, and there's a lot of stuff like that. That's like, it passes fast, but it's going to suck for a bit. So I tried to, as much as I'm like fairy tale dreamer person, I tried to have a good realistic idea of like how hard it was going to be and prepare for that as much as I could. But I will say that when she started moving, (laughs) Mm. I was like, oh, I can't just sit here and work anymore. How am I going to work with this moving child? I didn't do daycare or anything because I was like, I can work from home and my job is so seamless with my life. It'll be easy. And then that realization, that was the biggest learning curve for me. The realization that like, I couldn't just sit on my computer and get stuff done. And she'd like happily, safely play beside me without needing anything. Like that was a fantasy for sure. Yeah, I had the same one. I'm in it right now where I was (laughs) like, "Uh oh, I had my mom coming like two days a week. And I was like, we're going to need five (laughs) where I'm struggling. I was like breaking down three times a day, trying to do everything. And I, I just remember 
hitting this moment of my daughter's entire experience with me can't be me trying to put her down. Like it, that can't be it. I need to have on time with her and off time with her. And we navigated that. And I just had a nanny start. It's my first like childcare support ever. Thank you. I love her dearly, but I, I get it. Like there is that bit of, oh, you know, it's, I'm going to still be able to do everything that I can. And when that changes or when that's not this, when that's not the circumstance, it can be a bit of a scramble feeling, right? Especially because a lot of childcare setup or just like needing financially having to like navigate that you need to work in order to financially be stable. And at the same time, uh, the afford, like how much it costs for childcare is a lot. I honestly, yeah. How did you navigate that? Yeah, I guess I was very like how I need to make enough money to be able to warrant the childcare. But I also was like, I worked so hard to have this baby. I don't want to like not spend all my time with her. Like this is what I wanted. So that was, it was really, really hard for me to accept. Like I, I can't spend every second of every day being a mom with her and be the sole income earner for our family, like our little family, it's physically impossible. These are two full-time jobs and I can't do both. So I ended up getting, I had a nanny come once a week and I guess I just started doing this like batch work thing, which is still what I'm doing where like literally one day a week, I'm like, I love you, Summer. Have a good day. Do not talk to me. I will not engage with you. You must go do other things with other people. And I just like have this never ending list and I try to get as much as I can. And so far that's like still now where I'm at, but now it's not a nanny, it's my mom. So it saves me a lot of money, which is amazing. And yeah, perhaps my mom in the end gets the final word on this one because I moved back home, not (laughs) on purpose. But she's like, I told you, you needed your family. (laughs) Whatever. She gets to, now she's helping. So that works out. But I know we're, we're coming up on our time here, but I can't leave this conversation without talking about dating because let's like, without fully fast forwarding to your life now, when were you ready to start dating? And what did that look like when it comes to I'm a single mom, like I'm a package deal. There is nobody else in the picture. How was that experience? There's okay. There's so much to it. Like, uh, I think there was this general kind of vibe from strangers and people on the internet of like, oh, you've decided to do this. Now you're going to be on your own. And that that's what you've chosen. And I was like, no, I still think I'm going to end up with a partner or multiple partners. Who knows what life holds, but you know, I'm not committing to being alone forever. Like I'm not, as much as I love the Gilmore girls, that's not what I'm committing to. Yes. 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 I think that having a baby will like make me a better person to date and like a better partner because I will, you know, not be so entirely focused on this kind of end game. That was kind of what I was had in my head. And that's how it turned out to be like it everybody that knows me was like, you're this completely different person. Like you're so much calmer. I struggled so long with like anxiety and depression and medication and like, you know, even hospitalization. And then I had summer and it was like this peace, like settled over me of like, whoa, 
I did this thing that I knew I needed to do and it like everything's finally right in my life. I did date a bit when I was pregnant and I just like had on my profile like you know single like every did it completely by myself and um you know looking to date but not looking for like a dad basically I think I said and yeah I yeah I dated a bit but it was it was a bit weird for sure and like sleeping with new people when you're pregnant it's just like a tricky thing you don't feel guilty and like don't know if it's safe so then I didn't really even think about dating for quite a while. Isn't that funny how that happens? You give birth and that sex column in your brain is yeah, like, sex- yeah, goodbye. We are no, not. We're close like, for business. Oh, I, yeah. I think, I, I think my husband's still recovering from that reality that I was like on it every day to being like, I haven't thought about it in months. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> no, I felt, I was kept thinking to myself, I'm glad I'm alone because I feel bad that I like so do not want anyone near me I like I have like yeah. a really like I was yeah. just in garbage stick. Yeah. it was not I would have been so because oh I was like I was in like my den and I didn't want anyone near me but when I stopped breastfeeding the sex drive like came back mm. and I was like oh I was like on the prowl <laughs> that's hilarious but it was like right when everything shut down because of COVID. So it's like, how oh, that's am I not convenient now? This is bad timing. And then Vancouver things like were pretty okay. Like things opened up a lot sooner than over there. So one of the fr- kind of like first weeks that bars were open, I went out for drinks with my best friend at this bar that's like super cute. It's like beer and noodles. I've been wanting to go there for so long. Finally get to go. And my like, I got all dressed up. My sister was like, "You're gonna need a guy tonight." And I was like, "No, I'm not. It's, I haven't had sex in like a year and a half. Like, <laughs> you know, it's COVID. Like, you know, no one's meeting anyone." And sure enough, that night I met my now partner. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, served us many drinks, and then I demanded he date me. <laughs> 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 like actually but like, did he wouldn't have known this is not a dating profile thing so no, how did yeah. you bring that how did you no. tell him he had no idea it was a mom <laughs> at all I gave him my number we started texting I was like honestly I was so I was very drunk when moms go out like you go hard because you don't yeah, think you haven't had a chance and like, it's easy to get drunk because you don't drink anymore <laughs> it's fun. like two drinks you're done it's fun it's very I like the kind of how much more exciting it is to go out now I think that adds to my life but I met him we started texting and I didn't know how to breach the subject and we ended up texting for two weeks before we went on a first date so like I'd be sending him pictures and I'd like check to make sure there wasn't like baby toys in the background <laughs> it was really funny so I went and met him for the first date and my sister like waited parked outside the restaurant until I told him because I said to him I was like my sister's here to take over if you just want to walk away like I completely understand like I'm really dropping this huge bomb on you and like I get it if it's just not what you're into and he was definitely shocked. I think the way it came up was he said something like, God forbid I'm ever a parent. And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> well, I do need to tell you something. Actually. 
So he ended up staying and he tells me now that like after that first date, he very seriously thought about never seeing me again. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. but we just had like such a good connection. And even though we were in completely different life stages, you know, like he works in a bar and he lives with a roommate and I have like a cat and a dog and a kid and this whole like life kind of like suburban life without the husband set up to be honest and somehow it just kind of like clicked and took off and at first the deal was we're just gonna date and have fun and like summer you know you don't even need to meet summer Mm -hmm. I don't want that to happen for months like I'm keeping this separate this is like my fun thing that's separate and then like literally on our second date we just had such a good time and like felt you know I don't know I guess we fell in love a bit (laughs) and um my sister was dropping Summer off because she'd had her overnight. And I was like, Summer, my kid's going to be here in like a few minutes. Like, so you either have to go or like, I guess you, you could stay. And he was like, oh, oh, I guess I could. And it was this moment, this like pivotal moment where he was like, yeah, I think I want to stay. Wow. And he met her and it, he like fell in love with her maybe more than me. This is such a huge conversation though, because when you are dating, like it almost has to, for anybody listening, that's a single mom or will ever be one. There is that moment that happens where you're like, you can't just love me. And I'm, this is something that comes with me. There is a totally separate love and thing that has to happen on the other one. Like it it has to work for both Yeah, because it's, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. No, it it caught me very, very by surprise. I wasn't really ready to like welcome someone into our lives or our family. I felt like we were complete and I just needed to like date someone for fun. And then all of a sudden it was like, we were doing things together, the three of us. And I was like, oh, this actually feels really nice. Like he wanted to help like right away. He was like, show me how to do a diaper. Like very quickly. He was like, I can be left alone with her if you need to go out and work or something like I think I can handle it and um he has no experience with kids he was like so not in that headspace but I say to him all the time I'm like I think your lot in life is to be a dad like he stepped into it and I was like this is the thing you're good at like you're better at it maybe than me like when I feel like when somebody loves something they figure it out too right like and there's a lot of like my partner now well my husband he was never planning to be a parent. He was like, I love kids, but like, didn't really have this like inner calling to have a child. So he was totally okay. Not having children, which was an interesting thing to come into and being like, Hey, I've got three kids. Like that's not even on the table for you. Like that's not, if you're going to date me, this is a totally different thing. The difference and similar to making the decision and talking about motherhood as you know, and it's difficulties and all that fear mongering. I think the same thing happens for dads, but too, you're going to lose your life. There's this, there's that. The factor of the child and that love and connection that can happen there really changes everything. Somebody, you can assume you don't want something and then meeting that person could change everything for you. I've met so many people who have made decisions to be childless and they love that relationship with other kids. I've seen couples who, you know, realize partway through the relationship that they want different things when it comes to kids and they can make those decisions. So having somebody who didn't want kids fall in love with a child and step into that role is just like such a sweet 
thing to hear because it's not to say that will happen for everyone, but it just speaks to what love can be. And love can be really an action. It's a verb, right? Like that that idea that um, even those who are the least equipped to do it can rise to that occasion because it's yeah. love. It, yeah, I think it's like finding the right person, kids or no kids, like it's complicated. There's always baggage, there's always stuff. And for me, I, this was how it was supposed to be for me. I just like know that. And I think now I do get a lot of comments kind of like, it gives me so much hope that you met someone like you're so lucky. And I'm like, he's the lucky one. Yeah. Honestly, like he got to walk into this, you know, beautiful family and like, we all love each other so much and Mm -hmm. it's incredibly special for me for summer and for him. Like, I, I hate this kind of like, Oh, a guy dating a single mom, like he's a martyr, you know? All the time, all the time. People were like, it's so stand up. What a stand up guy for for doing this for you. I was like, well, it's fine, but okay. Yeah, like he gets just as much out of it as as we do. And it's kind of, for all of us, it's unexpected and it's like really beautiful. And yeah, I think we all feel pretty lucky that this like fell into place via me getting way too drunk on my first night out from COVID. <laughs> now I have to ask the burning question that so many I'm sure have asked you or wanted to ask you. And that is now knowing that you met this partner that you're building this life with, if you had known that three year and a half years ago when that relation, when that decision to be a mother was on the table or, you know, marinating in your brain, would you have waited or would you have done it exactly as you did? Like, yeah, absolutely not. I would have done it exactly how I did. I, Johnny and I talk about this all the time. He, we would have just like hooked up and never seen each other again. If I did, he says, he's like, if, yeah, if, if you were just, he was so like amazed by like everything I built and, and my family, I think that was a huge factor, like for why he hadn't been in a relationship for 10 years. He's very like, non-committal like just go with the flow and the way my life was set up and having a a child in the picture that he kind of fell in love with like changed everything for him Mm -hmm. and that's it's why we work that is so cool yeah I I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing but I do hope that we will have another (laughs) yes I'm like I don't even have to ask you because nobody's allowed to ask that question but I wanted you to say it now doing it with a partner like yeah I love the way I did it the first time but I'd like to try it the other way too so at some point hopefully that will happen <laughs> Alyssa I think you're just so cool I think what you've done is so it's just it's it's just opening people's minds a little bit I think if we can just look at something as a choice and not just a circumstantial happening if we can look at single motherhood in such a beautiful empowered light and not just you know, something that is, you know, sad. And, and sometimes it can be like, sometimes people really, but understanding that that support can be there, that, you know, even those struggles will still exist no matter where on the spectrum you are. If you're partnered, if you're co-parenting, if you are single, if you're single by circumstance or by choice, I think there's so much to be said here because motherhood is motherhood and parenthood is parenthood. And I mean, it is so uniquely different to each child, to each circumstance. And I just love that we get to even entertain the idea that women can choose it on their own without it being chosen for them to do it on their own. And, and I think that that's just such a 
it's just a, such a cool direction that I think the world is in and that people are in and just knowing how it all happened for you and where you are now, I think is just really neat. So I, I thank you for, for giving us this story and this time and this, um, mind opening moments, I guess, but where, you know, everyone's got to at least take a little peep at this family of yours. So <laughs> if they're going to creep you online and stalk you a little bit and follow along on the story of, you know, the story of summer, but your story more so, but she is very entertaining part of it. Yes, where so can cool. they find you? Uh, I am at random acts of pastel on Instagram, like random acts of kindness, but I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And, uh, and especially because I know you've got now a toddler running around the house. So even having this hour to spend chatting about how she came to be is just so cool. So thank you so much, um, for being here with us and for everyone listening, I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. I hope this conversation helped open your minds a little bit and how you can, you know, think about motherhood, parenthood, single parenthood, all of it. It is so nuanced. It is so uh, multifaceted. And I just am really excited that we had the opportunity to hear this story today. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.